So, cards on the table. This has been a rough week for me. So if you've been around the last, last couple weeks, you've heard me talk about um, that I injured my back thanks to that nasty snowstorm three weeks ago. And, um, and so I've been seeing a chiropractor, and it hasn't really been getting better. And this week, well, on Tuesday, so my back sort of seized up. We were prepping dinner, and, and we were minutes away from dinner, and I, I could barely move anymore. And I had to hobble myself up to my room, and I laid in bed for the next five hours. Uh, and so it was hard. And so Wednesday morning, it was still hurting. Um, so I went into the doctor, and as I was sitting in the doctor's office, there I am. The doctor was running behind schedule, so I was bored, as you usually are in the doctor's office. And so, so I flipped through, flipped through Facebook. Okay, I'm done with that. I open up USA Today, read through the national news. I just get depressed, so done with that. And, and I'm still sitting there. I'm like, okay, well, you know, why don't I, why don't I read this week's passage? Uh, and so, so I pull up my Bible app. And now, now keep in mind that I put this series together about five weeks ago. And this is the passage that I had planned and picked for this week. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn me to pieces, but he will heal us. Or he has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains water the earth. (laughs) Very funny God. Okay, I'm sitting there. My back is aching. The Advil just does not work. And I'm reading a passage about God binding up our wounds. And it is not, I am not feeling like my wounds are getting bound up. And it's been like that for a few weeks. Uh, it's, it's kind of amazing how God works in times like this and how he gives you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. And so in that moment, I had to make a decision. And I chose to trust God chose to trust God and trust in the truth and the goodness of his word. And so I said, okay, I'm not experiencing this at this moment, but I believe in God. I trust God. He is, I can have my confidence in him just like I can in the sunrise. Um, and as a little side note, they've got me scheduled for an MRI uh, later this week and then an appointment with a spine specialist. So hopefully they can figure out what I did to my back thanks to that horrible, no good, terrible snowstorm. I'm moving back to California, by the way. Thank you very much. No. <laughs> uh, so, so the impetus for this sermon really came out of something I've observed in nearly 20 years of, of youth ministry and pastoral ministry. We handle our sin all wrong. Now, let me say it again. We handle our sin all wrong. We do all of the wrong things. So we respond to sin in lots of different ways. But there's one thing that I've seen over and over and over again. People stop coming to church. It's true. When someone gets involved in a sin that they know is a sin, they tend very often to just stop coming to church. In fact, this is so predictable that when, when I see someone who is very active in church, and then they just drop off the radar, 
they just disappear, I can almost guarantee that there's some significant major sin in their life that they're just diving headfirst into. So if you do that in the coming months, just know that I know, okay? <laughs> Let's stop pretending. <laughs> I've seen it way too many times. So, and there are versions of this as, as well. There are, there are alternate versions of this, okay? Sometimes people stop going to life group. The Bible studies we have here at River Life, they just stop going to life group. Or they stop serving in their ministry. They're some, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I can't do that weekend or that weekend or that weekend or that weekend or that weekend. And all of a sudden, they just stop serving. So things that at one time in their life brought them life, uh, brought them closer to God, they just stop doing. Right? So that's another way that we deal with sin. Another version of this is they begin to distance themselves from their church friends. Right? Especially, like... like it, you probably understand what I'm talking about here. If, if you're into something that you know you shouldn't be into, usually you've got your group of friends who are into that as well. You, so you've got your party friends, your clubbing friends, your drinking friends, your using friends, your, your casino friends, and then your church friends. And rarely do those groups of friends overlap. And so usually you start distancing yourself from your church friends. And you don't return texts. You ignore Facebook messages. In fact, you know you don't read it because then it doesn't show that you read it. So you just leave it, high, you leave it bolded and ignore it. Okay? And or, or that they'll, start, they'll respond maybe to a text or a Facebook post or something. And, but they'll keep it really vague with things like, oh, yeah, man, I've been busy. Or, yeah, a lot of family drama going on. Or this one's my favorite is, yeah, I'm, I'm going through some stuff right now. Duh. <laughs> didn't need to tell me that. I know that. I can see it. But, but they'll respond really vague and then disappear for a couple more weeks. Okay? Or there's, there's one more. There's one more that we do when we're, deep, when we're in sin is we start hiding things. We start keeping secrets. We keep secrets from our friends. We start living sort of a whole alternate life that we keep secret or certain choices, or expenses. Have you ever tried to hide your expenses from your spouse? Trying to so like, okay, if I get money, but if I pay cash here, then it won't show up on the card or the bank, then they won't know. And, and you start doing all of this stuff to try to keep secrets. So all of these things, come on. Like, so have you ever done any of these things? I mean, come on. Be honest. I think, I think we all have. If we're honest with ourselves... There are parts of this that we've all done because there have been times in our life, and maybe you're in it right now. Maybe you're doing one of these things right now because you're trying to hide a sin that you're in the middle of, and you know it's wrong. You know it's outside what God really wants for you and desires for you. So you're hiding. Maybe you're pushing some people away. Maybe you haven't been to church for a while, and you just happen to come back today. So... It's very understandable if you think about this. Because all of those things that I listed out, it's very understandable because if you're involved in something that you know is wrong, why would you want to go around people in places that might remind you that it's wrong? <laughs> I mean, it's, so it's, very, it's kind of a no-brainer that we do that, but it is the absolute wrong way to deal with sin. We handle sin 
all wrong. Now, the good news is we aren't the first people to handle sin all wrong. The Israelites of the Old Testament, they were handling their sin wrong long before we ever existed. They were kind of mastering this good 2,700 years ago. They were handling their sin all wrong. So God sent the Israelites the prophets. And he sent them lots of prophets with funny-sounding names that you might recognize from the Bible. They're Isaiah, Hosea that we're talking about, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. These were all prophets. God sent to the people to give them a way to deal with their sin well. Stuff that will strengthen and restore us, not drive us further into darkness and secrets. And so God sent the prophets, and one of them was this guy, Hosea, that we've been talking about. So we've, pe- we've spent the last four weeks talking about Hosea. We've covered the first three chapters, and, and we talked a lot about this idea of a prophetic symbol. That the first three chapters of Hosea were this symbolic story. Hosea had to live out this prophetic symbol of marrying a woman who was unfaithful to him, who cheated on him and left him. And he had to go continue to love her and take her back. And it was this big symbol of God's faithfulness, of Israel's unfaithfulness, but God's faithfulness, that he will always pursue us and always take us back and love us relentlessly. Well, that's chapters 1 through 3. After that, the rest of the book, pretty much chapter 4 on to the end of the book, it it shifts from this narrative story of Hosea and Gomer, Um, which, by the way, their celebrity dating name would be Homer. I found myself, as I I was rehearsing this, I said Homer over and over again. So I thought I'd just put it out there in case I make that mistake. Okay, so their celebrity name, see, Hosea, Gomer, Homer, perfect, Brangelina, the whole thing, okay? So, um, so starting with chapter 4, that, that the Hosea in his writings shift from the story of him and Gomer, and it starts to shift into a combination of poetry and prophecy and accusations of judgment but prom- and promises of restoration. And that's what the rest of the book is about. And so we're going to take one of the chapters. Particularly, there are, it kind of breaks down like this. There are a few chapters that focus on Israel's unfaithfulness. Then there are a few chapters that focus on Israel's punishment, which was going to be the Assyrians, which were the big baddies of the north, come down and they were going to conquer the Israelites. And then the next few chapters talk about God's faithful love in restoring his people, the Israelites. Freedom from the Assyrians, the restoration of the the northern kingdom, all of that. And so in that first section that talks about judgment against Israel, there's this little tiny section out of a few chapters of some pretty harsh judgment, but pretty true because the Israelites were horrible at this period of time. Um, and there's this little tiny section that gives an amazing clue into how we should handle our sin. 
And Hosea, God gives these words to Hosea. Hosea speaks them to the people, and they don't listen. So we have zero evidence that the Israelites listened to God's call to them about how to handle their sin. All we see in, in this book, the other books, is that Israel continued to sin, and they got conquered by the Assyrians, um, and then restored later on. So that's the section we're going to look at. This little section that the Israelites missed, they totally missed it. And today, my hope for you is that you don't miss it. Three little tiny verses, and you don't want to miss this, because it is the secret to handling our sin so it's found in Hosea 6. That's what we're going to read today. The first three verses, 1 through 3. So if you want to follow along, you could, you could turn to it, uh, click to it, follow along up on the screen. So it's just the first three verses. Here we go. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. Okay. So this is the first of two commands first of two commands that Hosea gives to the people about what they should do. Come, let us return to the Lord. There we go. Amen. Thanks be to God. Here's your blessing. Let's go out to lunch. Okay? It's as simple as that. Let us return to the Lord. That is the summary of the rest of the, the verses. That's the beginning of it. And when we're in sin, we don't do that. In fact, we do the exact opposite. Let us return to God. And notice the two words, us and God. Because remember how I said we handle our sin all wrong. Okay? Here's the right way to handle it. When you're in sin, lean into God and his people. When you're in sin, lean into God and his people. We do the exact opposite. We lean away from God and his people. Okay? That only leads to more darkness and more sin. That's what the Israelites were doing. But the opposite, that's how to handle our sin, is lean into God and his people. Now, why do we lean away? Why do we do the exact opposite of what we should do and, in many cases, what we know is better for us? Why do we do it? Well, a hint to that is in the next part of verse 1. It says, He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. So, do you notice the parallel sentence constru construction there? We're going to turn into an English class here. Okay. See the parallel of the good thing, bad thing, good thing, bad thing? Okay. So, so it's for the Israelites, it's what God is doing. He has torn us to pieces. He has injured us. And what God will do. He will heal us. He will bind up our wounds. And, you know, and that's true for us. There are times where God is the one bringing hardship to us. I've asked that question over the last few weeks. God, is this, this back injury, is this you giving me this injury? And what am I to learn from it? 
why are you doing this? What, what, is the, what do you want me to learn? So I've been asking that question. I don't have a good answer. I haven't heard from God yet, but I keep asking that question. Okay? But there's more to it. I think there's more to these verses. That for us, these verses can also represent the lies we feel in the moment versus the truths we forget. You see, in the moment, when life kind of sucks, we'll very often blame God. God, you've got me in this lousy job. God, you haven't transformed my spouse. You kind of gave me a lousy spouse. God, this is your fault. You've given me this family. These, these people are not loving toward me. They're causing drama. God, this is, this is kind of you. I've been good. I've tried hard. I go to church. I give. God, why are you doing this to me? Okay? I think that's a pretty natural response when things go south. But those are the lies we feel in the moment. And we forget the truths. The truths we forget are that in God is where real healing happens. In God, leaning into God is where we are repaired and restored. But we forget that because kind of the crud of life can block our eyes. And that's what happened here. Imagine if all you could think about is God's wounded me, he's injured me. Imagine how bitter you, can, you could get toward God. And some of you might have felt that before. If that's all you can see about God. But those are the lies. Because if you can remember the truths that God is the one who binds us up. God is the one who heals our wounds. Then it's believable when we say that when we sin... Lean into God and his people. When we believe the truths, it's a lot easier to lean into God and his people when we're in sin. So let's continue on with the passage. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Do you want to be revived? Do you want to be restored? See, often when, when we see a verse like this, we get hung up on the two days and three days. We forget that it's really the reviving and the restoring. This, this section is a piece of, is written stylistically like a piece of poetry, possibly even lyrics. So imagine a little, little bass guitar and riffing behind this and them reading this off. Um, so it might have even been lyrics. And so there's poetic language used. And we get hung up to admittedly, I was sitting in the doctor's office and I got hung up on these two words. It had been about two and a half weeks of back pain. I'm like, okay, God, you are way past two days and you are way past three days. Why am I not revived and restored? I missed the point. The point is that God is the one who revives and God is the one who restores. And he does it promptly. Now, does it happen in two days? No. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Hosea a little bit of artistic license on this one and symbolic license. But God moves to his people. He doesn't wait long, long time. I don't expect years from now I'll still be feeling this back pain. Okay. So, from there, we, we see this promise. Look at the last line of that. Imagine that promise that we may live in his presence. Doesn't that sound amazing? But think about it. When we see a phrase like that, we think about heaven. Heaven's awesome. We're going to be living in God's presence. But no, he's not talking about heaven here. He's not talking about resurrection. He's talking about here and now. We can live in his presence. And isn't that the heart of Christianity? Isn't that the core of it? It's not about being a good person. It's not about coming to church. It's not about even calling yourself a Christian. It's about living in the presence of God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is an astounding promise. And that's what we need to to set our hearts on. That's what we need to anchor ourselves into. Is that when we are revived, when we are restored, we can live in his presence. So if you want that, if that's something that sounds good, remember, when you sin, when you're in sin, lean into God and his people. When you're in sin, lean into God and his people. There's one more verse here. Verse 3. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains. Or for Minnesota, I'm just going to change this to winter snows. He is as sure as the winter snow. <laughs> like the spring rains that water the earth. So here's the second instruction. Here's the second instruction that Hosea gives the Israelites. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. Now, I know that sounds like two instructions, but notice the repetition. It's really to be read as one unit. And I love the way that one translator put it. Let us keep striving to know God. Let us come to him. That was the first instruction. And then let us keep striving to know God. Now, I don't do this one great, okay? I'll, I'll be honest with you. So, see, I love something that you can start, you can finish, and you can cross off the list. See, that, that's kind of how I work. Um, I was a computer programmer for a lot of years. Um, and I love, something I really miss about programming is when you write code and it works, you're done. You don't go back and reflect on your code. You don't, you don't process on it. You don't go back and look to try to make it better. If it works, move on to the next one. Cross it off your list. And I really miss that because people aren't like that. We aren't like that. And faith isn't like that. It's not like you can, get it, you can level up enough times and then once you're at level 11, ah. You can coast it out. No. Keep striving to know the Lord. We've got to keep moving forward. We can't just come to him and sit there. 
And I think that happens a lot. A lot of times we do that because we're content with just sitting there. But nope, Hosea says, keep on striving to know God better and better and better and better. Keep on striving. And then this passage closes with this amazing statement of faith and trust. And particularly, it's focused in on the nature of God, the reliability, the trustworthiness of God. And Hosea says, just as sure as the sunrise, God is there. Just as sure as the winter snow for Minnesotans, God is there. And just as sure as these great spring rains, God is there. See, I grew up in Southern California where there's basically just two seasons. There's really warm and like five degrees cooler than really warm. That's it all year. But I love being out in Minnesota, man, because I think this time of spring, like these few weeks are some of the most glorious in Minnesota because everyone is loving life. The mosquitoes aren't out yet and the snow's gone. That is a perfect window right there. (laughs) But we know it won't last long. We all get bitten up very soon. But it's a wonderful time here, man. And people, we're coming out of our shells and out of our igloos. And we're starting to work on our lawns and getting, restoring everything there. And it's wonderful. We can wear short sleeves to church. And <laughs> I'd wear shorts as well if that didn't look too weird. But it does, trust me. None of you want that. But this is an amazing time of year. And it comes every year. That's kind of what gets me through March and winter, is knowing that spring will eventually come. And that's the level of trustworthiness that God desires us to have in him. That's what Hosea is saying. That level of confidence. I have never doubted that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Okay, did anyone else just break out in Annie right there? Yeah, okay, sun will come up. Yeah, sorry, never mind, okay? I, I almost actually sung that, those lyrics as I was talking here. But it's true, man. The sun will come out tomorrow. God will be there. God will restore us. God will revive us. That is the level of confidence that we should have in him. That is how trustworthy he is. And fundamentally, when we start pushing God away, when we're in sin, when we're doing something we know we shouldn't, fundamentally, we're not trusting God. Because we're saying, God, okay, I I can't really trust you for my comfort, for my meaning, or my fulfillment. So I am going to turn to something else for my comfort, my meaning, or my fulfillment. Because, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust that you'll come through for me. I don't trust that you'll have my best in mind. I don't trust that you really love me. I don't trust that you will comfort me when I'm suffering. I'm going to turn to something else that will comfort me. I'm going to turn to something else that will give me meaning. I'm going to start working long hours to get the money, to get the promotion, because then I will be important. 
then my life will have meaning. My life sucks right now. So if I go out, if I get hammered on Thursday, hammered on Friday night, I can be sober enough for church on Sunday. Because, God, I don't believe that you will comfort me. So I need something to deaden the pain. Sin is fundamentally about not trusting God. And Hosea says, you can't do that, man. You can't do that. God is as trustworthy as the sunrise. And that's something we need to remember. Because if you forget that, you're not going to do what you need to do. Which is, when you're in sin, lean into God and his people. Lean into God and his people. We handle sin all wrong. The Israelites did, and we're still doing it. We do things like we stop coming to church. We quit doing the things that used to bring us life, like going to life group, going to Bible study. We quit serving in a ministry. Okay, we, we, we separate from our church friends. And we start keeping secrets. But that's not how this works. So I want to give you some ways to lean into God. I want to give you ten ways. Here are ten ways you can lean in. I want you to, when you're in sin, and, and some of you are in it right now. Lean in. So first is lean into God. Keep praying. Keep spending time thinking and meditating on Him. Don't shut God out. Next, lean into confession. Lean into confession. All that is is admitting what you're doing is sin. That's all it is. Also, lean into forgiveness. The Bible says that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all wickedness. So lean into forgiveness and receive it. And if you ever feel like you don't deserve forgiveness, and so you you don't want to ask it, you feel you don't deserve forgiveness, you're right. You don't. I don't. None of us do. But God loves us. That's what grace is. It's undeserved forgiveness. Also, lean into God's truth. Lean into God's truth. So read the Bible. Listen to the Bible on your own. Don't shut out this amazing gift of Scripture that God has given us. Lean into Christian friends. Return that text. Someone's reaching out to you because they love you and they're concerned about you. Return the text. Read the Facebook message and reply. No one reaches out to someone just to beat them up. And if you do, then, then we need to step outside for a few minutes. Okay? <laughs> that is not how we work around here at River Life. Okay? People reach out to you because they love you. And they miss you. And they probably know something's really hurting in your life also. 
So lean into your Christian friends. Lean into community. Lean into community. Okay? Go back to life group. Or join a life group if you've never been in one. Make some friends and study God's word together. Lean into serving others. Get your mind off yourself. Lean into serving others. Join one of the ministry teams. We've got a flyer out on the info table with 50 ways you could lean into serving others here around River Life. Also, lean into helping those in need. We've got a community engagement ministry here at River Life whose sole purpose is to love and provide and care for those in need in our community, to, to be a great asset to the Twin Cities. So you've got opportunities. Lean into caring for people in need. And lastly, lean into Jesus. He is a real personal Savior that wants a relationship with you. It's not, he, he, yes, there's obedience, but that's not the first thing he wants. You know what the first thing? He wants a relationship with you. He wants to spend time with you. Lean into Jesus. If you're not sure where in the Bible to read, start in Gospels. Go to the Gospel of John. It's my favorite of the Gospels. Because you'll see a picture of Jesus and how much he loves you and what an amazing person he was and is. So lean into Jesus. Right? Lean in. And so, so in case you're, my big idea that I've repeated over and over again, if that's too many words for you this morning, I understand. Here's the shorter version. Win in sin, lean in. There you go. Five words for you. Win in sin, lean in. Now, don't you be walking away thinking I'm telling you to lean into your sin. Okay? No, 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 no. Hey, look what Pastor Greg told us to do. No. Okay? Lean into God and his people. Don't quit coming to church. As your pastor, as your friend, for some of you as a total stranger up here with a microphone, whatever, okay? I implore you, don't shut yourself off from God. And don't shut yourself off from God's people. Lean in. Because that is where real hope and real healing can be found. Join me in prayer. God, you love us. Thank you so much that you love us. Lord, we don't deserve it. There's nothing we've done to earn it. But you love us. Let all of us remember that. And let that be the reason why we lean into you. God, I want to say a special prayer for those who are involved in sin right now. It's a part of their lives. And they love it and they hate it at the same time. God, we know that it breaks your heart when we turn away from you. Let them lean into you and your people. God, extend your arms of love. Extend your arms of grace to these people and let them know how much you desire, how much you love them and desire a relationship with them. Run to them and hold them in your arms. 
and give them the, the real hope and healing that they're, they're longing for. Give them the courage to confess and receive forgiveness from you, even today, even as we sing. God, so I thank you for your love. I thank you that you love us not for anything that we do, but exactly for who we are. And I pray this in your name. Amen.